Welcome in to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm very excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here now on opening day as the Colorado Rockies drop a 5-3 ball game to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Of course, there was all the fanfare that goes on on opening day. They flew the Jets. There was Actually, there was a little bit less. I didn't see some of the booths out there that you normally see. So, uh, you know, it was a bit more of a subdued atmosphere, I would say. Somebody else, our, our friend Mark Knudsen, uh, was asking me about it. And I, I was saying, yeah, maybe a bit more chill. Uh, not, not quite as intense of vibes. Not, uh, it was definitely a party out there. I'll, I will say that. But interesting vibes, I will say, at the game. But still, sellout crowd actually more than they had back in 2019 when there was still some hope around the team and people didn't yet know that Nolan Arenado was upset and stuff like that. So I found that interesting that the the number was higher than the 2019 opening day, which was, of course, the last time that full crowds were allowed for opening day at Coors Field. But ultimately, you probably don't care nearly as much about that as you do about the baseball game, if you're anything like me anyway. So I want to get into talking about all this stuff, give a quick rundown of everything that I saw. Well, maybe not everything that I saw, but uh, lots of things that I saw from the ball game today. Let's begin where we have to, where the game was lost, and that was there in the fourth inning where the Dodgers scored five runs. You know, Kyle Freeland had really had it going before that. He'd been pitching incredibly well. He was dialed in. He was actually getting more swings and misses than we've seen out of him in the past. And he ended the game with six strikeouts uh, in three and two thirds, which, you know, again, much more than his typical pace. And I don't think it was that he was getting winded or anything like that happened. It really came down to just a a couple of pitches uh, here. There's basically four or five things from this one inning that if they haven't happened, you've got to ask yourself the question about whether or not the Dodgers would have scored any runs in this game. Because this was their only rally at all. The only thing resembling a rally. You know, I think they had a couple of drives that were a little bit deep, but uh, not even warning track drives. So this was it. And... You know, Freeland had the two outs, uh, you know, walked a guy on a pitch that I thought was very, very close. It could have gone either way. I think it was, you know, it was one of those ones where it barely ticked the edge of the strike zone. And usually you don't get that call. It was a pitch that's typically not called a strike. Could have gone either way. But okay, fair enough. Ball four, right? Then he had Freddie Freeman on the ropes. And and this was, for me, the, actually the earliest place where this really could have just been shut down and none of this stuff happens. He he was owning Freddie Freeman in this at-bat. He had him down 0-2. Then he threw a really good slider away that Freddie Freeman laid off of for a ball. But it was still a good pitch and, you know, had the opportunity to, to play with more of that. Could have spiked one in the dirt, could have come up and in, maybe a little above the zone. A number of options, could have thrown another ball, whatever. And I think he was trying to come up and in, maybe get that fastball, uh, maybe a little above the hands. And instead it ran inside and he hit Freddie Freeman. And that's really where things started uh, to come apart. Because, you know, he he really had been dialed in before all that. And he had the opportunity to uh, put that at bat away and make sure that things didn't get out of hand. But then after that, you get the swing from uh, Chris Taylor and you got the play from Charlie Blackman. So let's talk. <laughs> let's talk about this. I agree with the overwhelming consensus that 
Charlie Blackman shouldn't be playing the majority or maybe even any games in right field for the Rockies. I had talked about why I was more than fine with this one for ceremonial reasons. And I think I've even gone into some detail about why I think, you know, if used sparingly, Charlie Blackman's intelligence for the game, his knowledge of how to play that wall out there, uh, his very accurate arm, even though it's not as strong as it used to be, there's things he can do to make himself into a solid defender and not you know, cost you too much. But it's hard not to look at this play here. Now, this is a tough play for anybody. There's no guarantee that Sam Hilliard or Connor Joe makes this catch, right? Especially not being 100% familiar with the wall out there. But the general principle of a better defender in right field can make that play and the inning would have ended right there, right? Now, Freeland still got hit hard. That's probably the hardest ball he gave up all day. Um, and it's a legitimate double. It was it was off the wall. You know, Chuck still had to jump forward. I think he slowed down a little too soon. I think he jumped a little too early. I think he had a little more space to get closer to the wall before making that decision. But that's easy for me to say in hyper slow-mo in replay, right? It's a tough play. It's not easy for anybody. Um but you want to give yourself as many chances over the course of the season to have a guy who's got a better chance to make that play. What I will say is on the human side of this, which is not talked about enough, this is more complicated to go to a guy like Charlie Blackman, who's been adamant that he still believes he can play in the field and he still has more to offer. And then he doesn't want to be a part-time player. You've got to get buy-in. Right. And that sounds like one of those phrases that like managers and general managers say and is total like kind of nonsense. But it, but it's really not like there. It's not a video game. These guys aren't computers. Right. They're not names on a piece of paper. Charlie Blackman's a human being and just walking up to him and saying, hey, you're this now like it or not in my estimation, is not a good way to run a baseball team. It's not a good way to run a business. It's not even really a particularly great way to, you know, just be a person. <laughs> like, like you know what I mean? You, you've got to work with your guy here. You've got to be able to convince him. And so, and this might sound terrible, but a few of these early in the year, and Bud Black can go to, I'm sure he's thinking it now. I'm sure Charlie Blackman, as much as anybody else is thinking it right now, like, man, I'm going to start hearing all the DH stuff because of that play. And it's fair. It's fair to hear the DH stuff, not just because of one play, but presumably there'll be a few others. And you hope that they don't cost you games, you know, and arguably this one did, you know, it's, it's very easy to, to say, Hey, if Sam Hilliard or Connor Joe is playing in right field and they make this catch, that's the ball game. Rockies win 2 nothing or 3 nothing. Now, it's not quite that simple. Lots of other things can go down, right? But as it turned out, that, that miss was huge. Now, what was wild was Free almost worked out of it anyway because he got Cody Bellinger to it'll pop up on the infield. So you had runners second and third, right, one away. You figure, well, well, they're going to get at least one here no matter what. And Freeland gets Bellinger, who had, by the way, an awful game at the plate. And he just looks, he looks absolutely broken out there. I said that to our guy, Manny Randawa, and he ended up tweeting it out. And I just went, I mean, he looks beside himself bad at the plate right now. But 
still Freeland got him to pop out on the infield. And then he had Gavin Lux again with two strikes on him, right? Left on left, ninth batter in the lineup. And still, despite the beanball, despite the misplay in right, the walk, like none of these things, you know, the walk was earlier in the game, the, but the, these kinds of, this, despite all of that, one more put away pitch here. If Freeland gets his seventh strikeout of the game, he finishes the fourth inning, the Dodgers stay off the board, and he probably goes back out there and pitches two, maybe three more innings and has a phenomenal game. And we're sitting here talking about Freeland with a gem and the Rockies shutting down the Dodgers on opening day. And the Dodgers lineup, by the way, is basically an all-star lineup. Like, it's ridiculous how good those guys are, right? So, that other than this one inning, Rockies pitching held them in check is something worth noting and worth thinking about. And, and you know, obviously you got to see it go. This is, look, it's one of 162. We're going to overanalyze these early games. It's going to be what happens. Got to keep in mind all of that stuff. But ultimately, Freeland can't make the pitch. His 1-2 or 2-2, it was the 2-2 pitch to Gavin Lux. Caught a little bit too much of the plate. I think it was a slider that just didn't quite get where it wanted to, unless I'm mixing it up with another pitch. Um, and just a little ground ball back up the middle. And even there, you could say, you know, hey, the Rockies been shifted slightly differently. It's not like he hit the crap out of it, you know. It's a solid single back up the middle, to be sure. He earned it, and he had a good at-bat. You know, he fouled off a couple of tough pitches and ultimately ground her up the middle, ties the ball game. Yeah. Then things really started to get out of hand. And I think Freeland was a little bit gassed, mostly from how long the inning had been. Um, you know, Mookie Betts is a great hitter. He made a decent pitch to Mookie Betts. Betts hits the double. Now the Dodgers are on top, 3-2. And you're probably not going to be able to get another inning out of Freeland anyway. And so I understand Buddy going out there and saying, hey, let's let's maybe try to minimize this. Let's not push it too hard on opening day. Let's see if we can go and, and get Tyler Kinley to get one out. Now, I I don't love Kinley in that spot for precisely what we saw. There, there's an upside and, the, and a downside. The upside is he's got the strikeout stuff. He's got the whiff stuff. He's got some overpowering stuff, and he should be able to get guys. But the wildness is just too much. And, and he did exactly that uh, even before allowing uh, the base hit later. He threw a wild pitch to bring in a run, and that's just, he, he's the guy in the bullpen most likely to do that. So, you know, and, and it's it's early in the game. So I get Buddy's trying to play it out, and you think, hey, maybe the offense can get back going here. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's not like it's a high-leverage situation, but it's it, it was a little, I was like, mm, Kinley, maybe, uh, uh, but I don't know who else, you know, go to early, for, you're not using Chassin here. Uh, you know, you're not going to any of your closer guys in this role. So uh, I don't know exactly what his options were. And Kinley, ultimately, once he, you know, got it locked down a little bit, he wasn't even terrible. It just, of course, it happens that he comes in, throws the wild pitch to allow a run, gives up another grounder back up the middle for the fifth run. And it's a five-run inning for the Dodgers. And then ultimately for the game, gets out of it with a strikeout. And then goes out and pitches a clean inning. And you're like, ay, 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 ay. if he could have just done that to start with, you're you're looking at a, a 3-2 ball game. And 
you know, he's he's proud. You know, he can feel really good about the way he pitched today. But, of course, Kinley's going to be kicking himself for the wild pitch and for uh, the RBI single. All the runs charged to Kyle Freeland. That's tough because, obviously, he had help or uh, the opposite of help from Charlie Blackman and, uh, and Tyler Kinley there. But then, of course, you know, he, he, the hit batsman, all those other things, the, the couple of pitches he could have made uh, that he didn't to Lux or Betts or, or whatever. So there it is. That's your ball game. But um, after that, you know, Rockies get some pretty fantastic pitching out of the bullpen. Like I said, particularly Justin Lawrence was phenomenal. He goes two and a third, uh, strikes out a pair, did give up. Uh, I'm sorry. No, I'm reading um, – Goodos. He went two innings. He struck out two, didn't give up any base runners, and he threw 16 of his 20 pitches for strikes. This is the massive key for Justin Lawrence. He told me point blank down at spring training, I can stand to take a few miles an hour off of my fastball and stay in the strike zone. His manager said the same thing. You don't want to get too hype. You don't want to get you know all this stuff. And he went out there, opening day, big day, sellout crowd, Dodgers. Not a close, close game. Your team's down three runs, but that's that's close enough, right? You you got to go out there in the seventh and eighth, or I'm sorry, eighth and ninth, and deliver. And boy, did Justin Lawrence look good for a guy who wasn't going to make the opening day roster until there were a couple of COVID things that happened. Uh, he steps into the 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 opportunity. Obviously, with the team down, you know, if the team's up, it's not like he was going to be closing the game. He might not have even come in, but he gets this chance because of the situation in the game, goes out there, shows his manager and himself that he can stay in the strike zone. And boy, did he ever. I I believe uh, his first inning, he threw eight pitches and all eight of them were in the strike zone. And then he came right back. He was at like 16 of 17 or 15 of 16 at one point. And then in that last at bat, and I think kind of wisely, he, he was working around a little bit uh, the edges, but still ended up getting a big punch out there. He was using his slider a lot. He wasn't just relying on overpowering velocity. And I think he topped out at like 95, 96 with the sinker. He'll work it back up to 98 and he'll hit triple digits with it this year. But using the slider and changeup uh, to keep guys off of it, because that's going to be huge for him. If he can make those pitches work, you don't see a lot of really good sliders out of his kind of arm slot and uh the the Dodgers uh Justin Turner had a just a truly ugly reaching for it swing on a slider that was in a almost perfect location at 80 miles an hour from Justin Lawrence uh, a guy who again we know can dial it up to 98 so man if he's harnessing this stuff right in front of our very eyes again I wrote about it in the spring for a reason this guy really really could be a dude. Yeah, I said it. All right. Before and and since I started reading it, and I should mention Ashton Godot with a very, very positive two and a third, one hit, two strikeouts against this lineup at that ballpark. That's a solid start to your season for Ashton Godot. Uh re, you know, rewarding the faith of his manager a little bit for putting him on the opening day roster. And I'm curious to see what we'll we'll find out of him because he's definitely the long man in this bullpen right now, Ty Block from the left side, but he's also uh, our only lefty with Gilbreth on the IL with the COVID thing right now. So they got to use him uh, for some of that as well. So a nice day from the bullpen, even though you'd like to see Kinley clean that up a little bit, obviously that 
still, this Rockies bullpen against that Dodgers lineup, you would expect a lot. And, the, you know, like I said, all the runs were charged to Freeland. Uh, so technically, the bullpen didn't give up any runs to the Dodgers today, despite picking up for five and a third innings. Eh, worth noting. All right, before I get out of here with your recap, we got to, of course, talk about the offense. Um, it was interesting, right? No one person had a good or really even great game. A lot of guys up and down the lineup did get something and contribute some. Uh, Charlie Blackman was having an awful game. His first four at-bats really looked ugly. He took some un-Charlie Blackman-like swings, but then he comes up with a big double late against uh, Craig Kimbrell to give the Rockies a ninth-inning run and bring the tying run to the plate in the form of Chris Bryant. You know, it didn't end up going the way Bryant would have liked, but that was that was pretty cool that he was able to do that. And so he actually ends up with a hit and an RBI on the day, despite the fact that he really didn't look great. Uh, Chris Bryant drew a walk, hit a big double late, uh, you know, did strike out there to end the game, but showed you with the ball out there to center. And yeah, he, I mean, he's going to. He's going to have a huge on-base percentage this year. He's going to have a huge on-base. One guy didn't really have a very good game was Brendan Rodgers. Had an ugly at-bat late. Struck out twice. Uh, Unfortunate to see that, but it's going to happen. We're not going to read too much into those things this early in the season. CJ Crone didn't have a, a great game cleanup. He had kind of a weekly hit single later in the game that didn't amount to much of anything. Ryan McMahon had an impressive opposite field double early on, but then struck out three times. Um, that's going to be part of that, right? That's going to be part of the, the Ryan McMahon experience. You got to hope he can cut down on the strikeouts a bit. Uh, but if he's hitting for semi-regular pop, you gotta there's a a medium ground in there somewhere and he's still searching for it but you like the oppo double you like him scoring a run and being a part of the run scoring rally Uh, connor joe continues to put up consistent at bat after consistent at bat i loved his rbi hit on the eighth pitch of an at bat against walker bueller where he just stayed away 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 kept fouling off tough pitches, refused to extend the strike zone, was looking at stuff away from him, finally got something he felt he could handle a little bit, as the pros say, didn't try to do too much with it, which means he just didn't swing too hard. He didn't try to pull the baseball. He just went with it, lofted it over the second baseman's head, and that got everybody started uh, for the rally there. Uh, You had Randall Gritchick with his excuse me, oopsie-daisy swing that brought in the first run of the game. I thought that was a pretty funny way for his first at bat as a Rocky to go, but it's an RBI it gets you on the board. It's funny, right? He was brought in to hit uh, big, long, huge fly balls at Coors field. And every ball he hit today was on the ground. Uh, just like the guy he was traded for. Uh, th- that was pretty funny, but at least he gets the ribby, put the ball in play. Um, didn't strike out. And that's another thing we'll want to keep an eye on with him is if he can keep the strikeout numbers low, that's going to help for his raw production at Coors Field. Elias Diaz looked, uh, you know, at the plate a lot like the guy who ended the season. He did, you know, not a big home run. He had a big double late, scored a run, uh, didn't strike out, but looked nowhere. You know, you wonder sometimes about the, the guys who have these 
big slumps and then these big streaks, right? And you go, oh man, is, is that just going to be a thing? Did he figure something out or is he just a super streaky player? And so coming into the season, Diaz is one of those guys to keep a close eye on and see if he is a consistent threat offensively. If he's consistently hitting the ball hard, that can give you a lot of evidence that the way he finished the season last year was real. And I felt like we saw that out of Diaz all day. There, there was the double. There was another ball he hit really hard uh, that ended up being flagged down and right uh, by Mookie Betts. But no strikeouts uh, and hitting the ball hard from Diaz. Jose Iglesias, of course, with the big emotional moment, getting an RBI single in his first at-bat with the club and his first at-bat since his father sadly passed away a few weeks ago. Uh, Cameras caught him getting uh, very emotional about it, and and we all understand those things. And uh, it's a beautiful moment, beautiful moment to see for him. It's beautiful to to see somebody out there playing the game that they love and, uh, you know, doing it for family and yeah, all that all that stuff is is really what makes uh, the sports a little bit more than sports, right? A little bit more than the numbers and the who wins and loses. Uh, those kinds of things are are beautiful. So ultimately, a frustrating one, obviously, for Colorado Rockies fans, as the Dodgers are obviously and, and clearly the much better team. But this was a very winnable game. Uh, and again, it all comes down to two or three mistakes that were made in the top of the fourth. On the day, the Rockies are only out hit by the Dodgers 8-7. to 5-3 uh, is your final score. Freeland wants a couple of those pitches back. Could have stand to get a little help in right field, and that's what it came down to. But, hey, good ball game. I say there's, there's good things to take away there. Uh, nobody had a truly miserable day at the ballpark uh well none of the ball players i should say some people out there may have <laughs> who knows how much some folks may have had to drink i bet there are one or two but i would say ultimately great vibes great vibes down at coors field around the ballpark everybody seemed to be having a good time obviously you want your ball team to win but that's one of the beautiful things about baseball ultimately this was just one of 162 a lot more to learn, a lot more to find out, some good early indications on some guys that are going to be important players, especially people like Justin Lawrence, uh, you know, Jose Iglesias' contact, those kinds of things. Uh, even seeing Chris Bryant with a big double and a walk immediately contributing. You know, don't, you don't want to start your new, like, big contract thing on a huge slump, right? So it's just one game, but still, you want to do a little something. You don't want to go over with three strikeouts in your first game after signing a seven-year, $182 million contract. <laughs> Nobody does. So that's it for game number one. Game number two will, of course, be on Saturday night at 6-10 Mountain Time. Edermon Marquez will take the ball against Tony Gonsolin. Should be a good one. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Marquez responds to being the number two guy instead of the number one guy and how he responds to matching up against other teams' number twos here early in the season. As we all know, he's got number one stuff. So tune in for that one. I'll be chatting with you again at the end of the weekend. Look for all the written content on milehighsports.com. Follow me on Twitter at Drew Creaseman. You can always ask me questions there. You can always slide into the DMs to ask me about how to get into our Discord channel where you can talk to me 24-7 about baseball and all kinds of just life you know, stuff. So appreciate you all for being absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you ballpark.